Awesome. You can grab your seats, church. Great to be with you this morning. And before we take one step further, I do want to take a moment right now on Father's Day, and I want to honour the father of the house in our senior pastor, Pastor Brendan Kelly. Uh, He is a spiritual dad to so many of us, and he uh, is an an incredible spiritual father. And his walk before God is something that not just me, but many of us admire. And uh, where we are today as a church is because of who you are and what God is doing in and through your life. So can we honour the father of the house, the spiritual father of the house today? Awesome. My intention today to share on Father's Day is... Uh, I think on days like today, uh, when when we have Mother's Day, we often uh, celebrate and and honour all the women in uh, in our church community. But on Father's Day, we sometimes can have a tendency to sort of start to to criticise men and and shoot some shots and really, really get stuck into them. And my intention today is certainly not to do that. My intention, in fact, is to encourage the men, coach the men, maybe even challenge the men a little bit, but now more than ever in 2023, we need men to stand up. We need real men to be in the spaces and the places of influence, starting with our families and then into our workplaces and into our communities. Now more than ever, I am convinced that we need men in our world. I'm going to share from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 to 14 to kick things off today. But before I do that, I do want to share a little bit of context around this particular verse. Paul is writing a letter to the church in Corinth. Now, Corinth is a city. It's a, at the time of the letter, it is a city that is godless. It is full of a wicked culture. There is, there's idolatry. There's sexual immorality both in and out of the church. And he's finishing up the letter to the church in Corinth and he offers up this strong moment of encouragement, a coaching moment, if you will. So remember, Corinth, godless, wicked culture, sexual immorality, in and out of the church, sounds a little bit like 2023. This is what he says. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive. We thank you that it is powerful, and it can shape and transform lives. God, I pray right now that it would speak to us that we might walk out different to how we came in, in Jesus' name, amen. When we read those words there that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 16, act like a man or be a man. That can be interpreted in so many different ways. When you hear someone say, be a man or act like a man, we all have different biases and we all have different, different definitions of what acting like a man or being a man. And my purpose this morning is to help frame some thinking and articulate some biblical, key word, some biblical definitions about what it means to act like a man in 2023. And right now, all the women in church are like, great, this is what I came to church for. 
I want to strongly encourage you women to stay engaged because we all have men in our lives. We all have sons, we all have brothers, we all have friends, we all have fathers. And so we can encourage, as women, we can encourage our men to continue to stand with the biblical definition of what it is to be a man and act like man. Is that okay? Here's the first thing. Here's the first thing that I believe when Paul talks about acting like a man. The first thing that we have to understand is we have to understand our identity as a man. You know, when we're asked who we are, we often talk about what we do. It's Joe the plumber or Matt the electrician. We often talk about our profession or our career. When someone says, who are you? Or we talk about what we own. We talk about what we do or we talk about what we own. Rarely do we talk about who we are. And I think part of the problem because of that is some of us don't know who we are. And so in TED, we, we, we go to the tangible things, the things that we can see and touch. This is my career. This is how big my house is. This is how many cars I own. This is my mortgage. Help us. We have inklings and we have impressions and we have ideas of who we might be. But some of us don't know who we are. And here's what I've discovered being a man is when I discover who Jesus is, he helps me discover who I am. Matthew chapter 16, we see a conversation between Jesus and the disciples. And Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? And some say, well, I think you might be, you know, people are saying that you might be a prophet or you might be Jeremiah. And then Peter, bold old Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Messiah. And Jesus replies, no one could have shown that to you except through revelation. But then something strange happens. Jesus then goes on to talk to Peter and says, upon this rock, upon this revelation, Peter, I will build my church. And so right in that moment, Peter discovers who Jesus is as the Messiah and then Jesus flips it and starts to give Peter his identity. When you discover who Jesus is, he then helps you discover who you are. Hear me loud and clear, men, young and old. Before you are anything, before you're a husband, before you're a father, before you're an accountant, before you're an electrician, before you're anything, you are a son. And it's from that foundation, it's from that bedrock that you then build your identity. We have to know who we are. The power of identity, when you know who you are, it can bring motivation to change your life. When we know who we are in Christ, when we know that we're a son, we don't change to get love from God. We don't change to get approval from God. No, we flip it. We understand who we are. I know I'm approved and therefore I want to change. It's not the other way around. I'm not going to do good things to get love from God. I know I am loved. I know I am approved and therefore I can change. Therefore I can grow. That's the first thing. When we talk about act like a man, be a man, you have to know who you are. Here's the second thing. Responsibility. Oh, that is a dirty word, isn't it? responsibility. Genesis chapter 3 verse 9. Adam and Eve have just eaten from the tree that God has said not to eat from and they've run away in shame and guilt. Genesis chapter 3 verse 9. Then the Lord God called to man. Notice he calls to man first. 
The Lord God called to man, where are you? Three verses later, we see a conversation between God and man. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me. Hello. It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. So here we have Adam and Eve in the garden. They cross the boundary that God told them not to cross. Then they run away. They abdicate responsibility. And then when God finally confronts man, well, it's not my fault. You created the woman. You took, you took my rib and you created this problem for me, abdicating responsibility. Here's what responsibility is. Responsibility is showing up consistently and constantly. Responsibility is owning up. This is not what response, well, pastor, I've read my Bible. I'm the boss. That's how I read my Bible. They have to do what I say. You've read it wrong, friend. If you read it and interpret it correctly when it talks about responsibility, your first role as a man is to take responsibility. And right there in the very first book of the Bible, we see a classic example of man abdicating their responsibility. I want to encourage every single man today to take responsibility, owning up and showing up. We can do it. We can do it. Got to know who we are. Got to take responsibility. Here's the third one. Got to have integrity. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be Exposed. We live in a culture in 2023 where people are more shocked by, in, by having integrity than a lack of integrity. Would you agree with that? People are more shocked that when you have integrity or a lack of Have you ever bought something from a shop and you realized you've, you've, you've got it for a deal, they've, they've run out wrong, and then you go back? Maybe, that's, maybe we haven't done that. Okay, don't put your hand up. That's fine. But when you go back and you say, hey, I've actually underpaid, and the the cash register person looks at you like, what is wrong with you? What is your problem? Like, you could have gotten away with it. We live in a culture that is more shocked when people have integrity than a lack of integrity. And integrity, hear me, is different from reputation. Reputation is what others think of you. Integrity is who you actually are. Integrity is the one thing that you do when no one else is watching. Here's what I've discovered when we talk about integrity, particularly being a man. If you live with integrity, nothing else matters. If you live without integrity, nothing else matters. What I know is that integrity is far easier to keep than to recover. For all the dads, the biological dads or, or the father roles here, the, father, the fastest way to raise rebellious kids, you want to know the fastest way to, rebe- to raise rebellious kids is let your private life and your public life differ. You might be one way here on a Sunday in front of people and then you're a completely different person in your private life. That is the fastest way to raise rebellious kids. Why? Because they're watching you. They're watching you in different environments and how you interact with different people. But dad, you said this, but then you did that. They're watching you. You're the example. You're the role model. A couple of years ago, our family, we purchased 
our house, our very first house. It was an exciting moment. And as part of that process, um, we, we were, prior to owning the house, we were renting. And because we live in an incredible country like Australia, we were receiving rent assistance to pay for the rent prior to actually buying the house. And after purchasing the house, it had slipped my mind that I forgot to communicate to the relevant authorities that now we were homeowners and we were no longer eligible for rent assistance. And so about six months ago, I just, as I was doing some of my own um, tax documents and and what have you, I realized I'd made this error. And so I uh, called the relevant authorities and was on hold for about three hours, but that's okay. And in this conversation, the consultant said, so when did you purchase the home? And it was in that moment I had to make a choice because she didn't know that we had purchased the home two years ago. So I could have said, well, we purchased it last week. We signed the deed last week and, you know, we've only been a homeowner. And so it's in those moments where no one else is around. The church isn't watching. It's just you and God. You have to ask the question, what's your integrity worth? Because integrity has a price. And as much as it pained me to say, because I knew that there would be some financial hurt for me to be honest, I said, we purchased the house in 2021. She paused and I knew what she was doing. She was typing and she was working out how much we would then owe, which is a, it's a hollow feeling. And she said, oh, so we've, we've been paying you this extra money for the last two years. That's right. Awkward silence. Mr. Alton, you do realise now that you're going to have to pay us some money. Yeah, I'd, I'd pretty much figured that out. Thanks, appreciate it. <laughs> and then she said, well, it's going to take us some time to calculate how much you're going to have to pay back. How about we send you a letter? I said, I can't wait to receive it. <laughs> What's your price? What's your integrity worth? It could be as small as piggybacking off someone's Netflix account. We've all done it. We've all done it. Maybe you lie about your kid's age to get a discount meal. Maybe it's stealing the neighbor's Wi-Fi. Maybe it's... I haven't done that. Can we just be honest in church? I mean, if we can't be honest in church, where can we be honest? Maybe it's marking down a par when it was actually a double bogey for all the golfers. What's your price? What's your integrity worth? Because it does have a price. And you might be sitting in your chair today thinking, oh, no, I'm an integral. Where are you most offensive? Because that's usually the place where you're lacking integrity. When someone tries to challenge and... Con- no, I don't have a problem there. That's usually where are you most defensive in your private world. Skill, talent, and experience will get you so far, but you know what keeps you there? Integrity. Probably the greatest example I can think of is our senior pastor. Talented, experienced, skilled. What's kept him in the game for so long, and I've seen it, and I've watched it, and I've admired it, is his integrity. It's his character before God. Your job is simply obedience. God's job is outcome. That's how integrity works. Your job is obedience. 
let God handle the outcome. Identity, responsibility, and integrity. And here's the last one. Maturity. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, Paul, in the same letter, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, everyone say, grew up. I put away childish things. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying that age is not always an indicator for maturity. The candles on your cake show your age, but your attitude, your habits, your choices will show you your maturity. This is not to be confused with childlike faith. Jesus said, have a childlike wonder to God and to the, to, to the kingdom, but don't be childish. Have a childlike faith, but don't be childish. One of the clearest indicators that you are maturing and understanding things is that you understand, you recognize that you do not always get what you want. That is one of the clearest indicators that you are maturing and growing in God is that you recognize you do not always get what you want. Have you ever noticed when you ask a child, what do you think you need to survive? Their their response is something along the line of Minecraft and McDonald's. They have no idea. They have no idea the difference between what they want and what they need. And Paul talks about when I, when I was a child, I reasoned like a child. I estimated like a child. But then as we grow and as we mature, you can't always have what you want. And when a child doesn't get what they want, what do they do? We've all seen it. We've all judged those parents in aisle three when the kid's having a tantrum in the confectionery aisle because they didn't get what they want. And yet how many giant children... Do we have in the kingdom of God when we don't get what we want from God? We chuck a little tanty, don't we? And as we've matured, and as we've grown, we've actually discovered that what you want changes. Maybe you can relate. I remember when I, was, when I first got my license and the car that I wanted, it needed to have mags. Magnesium alloys for the uneducated. It needed to have a sick sound system. It needed to be loud and cool stickers on the back. Now that I've grown and matured, I'm worrying about fuel efficiency. Can I put E10 in that thing? You change, you grow, you mature. I remember going to theme parks when I was young, particularly the Toowoomba Show. And without being judgmental, you see some of the operators and you're like, that looks like fun. Now I'm asking, are you qualified? (laughs) Have you done more than a TAFE course? Because I'm about to put my child's life in your hands. Show me some credentials. But when you're young, you're like, just get on the ride. You change, you mature, you grow. I remember when I first started preaching. I used to get up here and I'm like, oh, I hope they like me. I hope it's good. Now, I couldn't care less. I do care, but I'm just going to be obedient to God. And whether you like me or hate me, that's your issue with Jesus, not mine. I'll just be obedient to what God's put in my heart. You grow, you mature, you change. Act like a man. Be a man. Here's a couple of questions that we need to ask ourselves. Do you know who you are as we finish today? Do I know who I am? Am I taking responsibility? Is integrity a constant theme 
in my life? Am I constantly learning and growing and maturing in God? There's four questions on a Father's Day I think that we can continually ask ourselves. But here's where I want to land it. Verse 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul finishes that particular statement to the church. And he says this. He says, let all that you do. And he's talking to believers. Let all that you do be done in love. As men, we struggle to often express and articulate how we feel. When we hear the word love, most men sort of retreat a little bit back into their seats. Ah, that's that soppy stuff. There they go with that grace of God. Ah, that, you know, I just got to have a tough exterior, teaspoon of concrete. Got to be a man. I'm not sure that's helpful. I've journeyed with enough men over the years to understand that because we do struggle to express and articulate what's going on on the inside, when we read phrases like that from Paul, let all that you do be done in love, we're like, just can't connect to that. I don't know how to love. I don't know how to say what's going on on the inside. First thing that comes to mind when I read something like that is the prodigal son's father. And we know that's the imagery in that parable. That's the imagery of Father God. But our Father in heaven is the greatest role model as to what a father should be. And if you don't know the story, his son goes away, makes some really, really poor choices. Comes to his senses and realizes he's got to come home. The Bible tells us in this story, Jesus is telling this story of what a father's love is like. The Bible says that from afar off, the father sees the son. And the key verse for me is that the father begins to run. And why that's the key verse for me is because the father strips away all the dignity Strips off the mask of, the, oh, this is how I've got to be a man. I've got to be the strong, silent type. This is my kid. And what we need in 2023, we need men who know they are, who they are. We need men who take responsibility. We need men of integrity. We need men of maturity. But we need men who are in touch with the Father's love. We need men with thick skin, but soft hearts and sweet spirits. Why don't you stand with me? I fully appreciate and I'm fully aware that on days like today, it can be difficult for so many. And maybe some of you are watching online and it was too difficult for you to come to the building today and We get that. We see you. We honor you. We love you. But I believe by God's grace, dads, men, young and old, 
We've got God in our corner. We've got women standing with us. We can do this. We can honour what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16. And I'd love to pray for all the men of Civic this morning along these lines. Heavenly Father, you are the greatest example of what a dad should look like. Your character and your nature is what we want in our hearts, in how we interact with our biological kids, how we interact with others around us. And God, I pray for every man here this morning. God, particularly the men that are carrying burdens, carrying stuff deep inside their soul. And they want to talk about it. God, I pray that there would be a moment, maybe today, maybe this week, that you would create a divine connection with another man, with another friend, another mate. In that moment of vulnerability and honesty, that they can be free and they can walk with a load off their shoulders. God, I pray for all the men here this morning that we would know who we are before anything, before our accolades, our achievements. We're a son. It's as simple as that. We're a son of God. And our whole life is built from that revelation. God, if there's areas of integrity in our life where we're lacking, speak to it, God. Speak to it. That we would forever be on the journey to mature and grow and learn. God, that we would want what you want for our lives. God, your heart is for men to walk in freedom, to lead the way, to be first to put their hand up, I pray for all the dads that they would take the responsibility to lead their households and their families spiritually. That they would be the ones leading the charge to be plugged into the kingdom and to be plugged into church. God, you know more than ever in 2023 that we need godly men to stand up and to be the light in the darkness. I pray for every single person that's hurting here today, that maybe their biological dad has hurt them, betrayed them, abandoned them. God, we know in that moment your heart breaks. I pray right now that you would surround them with your peace and your comfort that you would remind them that you are a good father and that you love them deeply. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Pray you have an amazing Father's Day.
and the team's going to finish up with one final song.